will remain standing. This morning, I'm, I would like to invite you to turn your Bibles to the two uh, scripture reading. The first one comes from Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 10. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 20 and 21. In the church Bible, you will find it on page 731. Isaiah 10, 20 and um, 21. In that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them, but will lean on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. In truth, a remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. What a promise. And you will see this being fulfilled in Jesus Christ our Savior, even uh, in the text that we are going to consider this morning from John chapter 1, beginning from verse 14 to 18. John 1, 14 to 18. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truths. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For uh, from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, as we now, as your people, look to you, our God, to feed us by your word, we pray that those who are still infants in the faith would long for the milk of the word. And those who are mature in the faith would long for the meat of the word. And you, our God, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, would uh, give the desires their hearts. Oh Lord, feed us by your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The first time I went to seminary, the first theological question that I encountered in my Christology course, Christology is the study of the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The first question, theological question, that I encountered in the class 
was what is the central truth of Christianity? What is the central truth of Christianity? And I still remember some of the answers that few, you know, bold and courageous students in the class gave. One said the central truth of Christianity is that Jesus is the only way to the Father. And the next one answered the central truth of Christianity is God is one, but he reveals himself in three persons. And the next student said, justification by faith is the central truth of the Christian religion. Well, let's say you were one of the students in the classroom. What would, what would you answer? What answer would you give to the professor who asked that question? What is the central theme? Of the Christian religion. What answer would you give? Maybe one of the answers you, you heard would, would have been your answers. Or a different one. I don't know what answer you have in your mind now as you hear the question. But when it comes to a professor in the class. After telling the whole class. That all the answers that the students gave were true part of the Christian religion, but that was not the, the main answer that he was looking for from the students. The main answer was the central, the central part of the Christian religion is the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. If you don't have that, you have no religion, true religion. If you don't have that, you have no salvation. Do you know that? Apart from John 1.14, there is no salvation. Do you know why? Because one of the great reasons why it was necessary for Jesus to become flesh was because he had to shed his blood on the cross. Hebrews 9.22, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Do you know that, beloved? And that is the main reason, you see, why in our text this morning, John is pointing us to that central aspect, central part of the Christian religion which is the incarnation of God. God becoming flesh. God becoming human, like you and I, with one exception, no sin. But he became human. In this incarnation of God, we observe, we perceive three important truths as great divine benefits for us. The first one is the eternal word becoming human in verse 14. Think about that. God, the eternal God, the invisible God, the holy God, the perfect God, the creator of everything that exists, becoming human. Second, the evidence of Christ's deity. Christ was God. 
God who became flesh, verse 14 and 15. And then thirdly, the grace, the grace of God flowing from the glory of Christ who became man, verse 16 to 18. So first, I want us to consider, I want you to join me in considering verse 14. The word became flesh, the central part of what you believe, where you stand on, upon, for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins, for you to be a Christian, to even consider yourself as a believer. Verse 14. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So I want to um, call your attention to, to, this, to this verse, verse 14. The word became flesh. About who is John talking about here? Go back to verse 1. About the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. John is talking about this Word. Logos. The eternal Word. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Word in verse 1 became human. And remember the Word is the creator of the universe. The, the Word is the Creator Himself. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not all, was not, was not anything made that was made. The, the Creator, the eternal Creator, who was also the Son, God, became human. And this means God, the Son, by becoming flesh, by becoming human, He became part of his creation. He became part of us. But listen to this carefully. He became human without ceasing to be God. That's extremely important for you as a believer, for you to know. He became human without ceasing to be God. Notice in verse 14 carefully. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father. In the one who became human, in the one who was God, we see God. He's still God, but he became human. It's, it's amazing how John, in 1 John 1, gives us the description of these truths. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. We have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. The Word became flesh. God was manifested to us in the person of Jesus Christ, who is God, who is God. 
In whom was life, in whom was light. He was God, he was with God, and he became man. You see, Muslims, they don't understand this. They, they will not accept this. Jehovah Witnesses, they don't understand this. Tell them that the Son, Jesus, has a Father. God the Father. Tell them that. And they will immediately react and they say to you, blasphemy. You are blaspheming God. This is an abomination. God doesn't have a wife. Are you telling me that Mary was his wife? No. That's not what we say. That's not what we believe. That's not what the Bible teaches. You all should uh, take them to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter, um, chapter 1, where the, the Matthew tells us that the, the virgin will conceive and bore a child. And his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Son was not made. The Son of God had no beginning because God had no beginning. What we see here is the eternal sonship of the second person of Trinity. Listen to believe. In the Son of God, becoming human without ceasing to be God is so vital, so crucial, because you will hear a very wrong and twisted teaching today that tells you when Jesus took human flesh, he abandoned his divinity. And they take that, they take that from Philippians 2.7. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God. A thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. When Jesus was taking human flesh, was he abandoning his divinity? His being, him being God. No. He was humbling himself before his father to become a mediator, to become a, a lamb, to be sacrificed on the cross for the sins of God's people. Because the one who is going to die on the cross is the God-man, not, not God. Because God, you know, doesn't die. God don't die. God is immortal. The one who died on the cross was the God-man. Jesus, the man, fully man, perfect man. But he never ceased to be, to be God. Isn't that what the scripture teaches? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And who is this word? Who is this word? Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name. And I want to point you to this once again. His name 
was to be called Emmanuel, God with us. Not God who emptied himself, but God fully divine and fully human with us. God dwelt among us, among his people for 33 years. That's why you see John said, we touched him, we saw him, we had fellowship with him. People saw God in Jesus Christ. Jesus told Philip, I have been with you for all this time and you ask me to show you the Father. If you see me, you see the Father. I and the Father are one. You see God. I am God. I and the Father are one. Beloved, the one true eternal God became human. The eternal one entered time. The invisible one became visible. Verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. God. Two natures in one person. Divine nature and human nature. Without commingle or merge. Jesus being both perfectly divine and perfectly human and has two complete distinct natures at once, divine nature and human nature, without being merged. His human nature does not overpower his divine nature. His divine nature does not overpower his human nature. They both are perfect and distinct and yet unmingled. Two natures in one person. Fully God and fully man. First John 3, 1. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And what will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. When you get to heaven, my brother, my sister... And you see Christ, you will see the God-man. In person. You will see Jesus fully human and fully God. We see God in Jesus Christ. But what does the word became flesh and dwelt among us mean, beloved? It means the God-man closed Dressed in human flesh and dwelt among us for 33 years. Why? Why would God, eternal, holy, perfect God, dwells among us? To be gracious to us. To deliver us from the condemnation of the law. Listen to John in John 3.17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that he would might be saved, we, in order that the world might be saved through him. Are you thankful to God? Because God never said, you know, I see your sins, I see you being um, rebellious against me, sinful, disobedient, wicked people. Uh, so I'm going to send my son to you to judge you, to condemn you. I'm done with you. No, God didn't send his son to condemn us, but to save us. 
to die for us on the cross so that we would be rescued from the wrath of God. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of women, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption. He sent his son, and he took him in flesh, so that you and I would become, by faith, would become the children of God. Secondly, the evidence of Christ's deity. Verse 14 and 15, And the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, John is telling us, when God became human, we saw God's glory in Christ Jesus. We have seen His glory. What glory? What is glory, beloved? What glory did we see? Glory is the manifestation of God's power, God's holiness, God's presence, God's majesty, and sovereign rule over all things. Those are the description of God's glory. In the Old Testament, you all would remember, God's glory was manifested by blazing fire and thunder and earthquake. You remember Moses asked God in Exodus 33, show me your glory, show me your glory. And God told Moses, okay, I will show you my glory, but not my full glory. Moses, if you see my full glory, you will die. No one would see my glory and leave. So what did God do? God showed the reflection of his glory. He had to hide his servant Moses under the, uh, under the cliffs, under the rock. And he passed by and Moses saw only only the reflection of God's glory. Even that was enough for Moses. But now, in the one who became flesh, in the one who became human, we see that glory in the person, in the work of this God, the God-man who became man, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Those who saw Christ in person, they saw the glory of God in the person, in the work of Jesus Christ. But how is that? We see the glory of God now. We haven't seen Him in person. They saw Him in person. They were with Him. What about us? This is about, you see, spiritual glory, not physical glory. One day we will see Him. In His glorious um, in his glorious uh, appearance, we will see him. 
But now we see the glory of God in Christ Jesus, in all the attributes of Jesus Christ. We see the glory of God in the compassion of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, in the gentleness of Jesus Christ, in the rule of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to see the glory of God in Christ Jesus. I'll give you one one example. Those who saw Jesus in person. Who witnessed all his miracles. Even him rising, raising Lazarus from the dead. Some believed in him, but many rejected him. After seeing his glory, after seeing his power, they were planning his murder. Their eyes were not opened by the power of the Holy Spirit to see the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ, in the face of Jesus Christ. But you and I, by God's grace, once our eyes were opened, we saw the glory of God in Jesus Christ. When Jesus changed the water into wine, you remember the response of his disciples. This must be the Son of God. This must be the Son of God. This must be God. We see His glory. We see the glory of God in His Son. This is the Messiah. When Jesus walked on the water, He stilled the storm. What was the response? And those in the boat worshipping Him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. They saw his glory. That's what we see in Jesus by faith. We see God's glory in Jesus Christ. Even John witnessed about that. This is God. Listen, listen to John the writer. John bore witness, this is John the Baptist, about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. He was before time. He was before creation. Listen, even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was created by Jesus. Elizabeth, John's mother, was created by Jesus. He's the creator. He's God. That's why John, that's what John witnessed. Lastly, we see the grace, the grace of God flowing from Christ's glory. Listen to John. He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Listen to this. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Christ. Beloved in Jesus Christ who became human, who took human flesh, in him we received two marvelous gifts. Grace and truth. Think about those gifts. I want you all to understand what gifts you have received in your life as believers. Truth and grace. Grace shaped by the truth. What truth? Romans 3, 4. Let God be true. 
though everyone were a liar. Is that true? God is true. Men are liars. How are we liars? Yes, man claimed his own righteousness. Man says, I can make myself right before God. God will accept me seeing my moral goodness. That's, that's a lie. But for many, that's true. But that's a lie. That's not true. That's not the truth of God. That's not the truth of the scripture. Because God in his word says, no. Isaiah 64, 6. All your righteousness are like filthy rags. Romans 3, 10. No. no none is righteous. No. Not, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Truth. With Jesus came this truth. Jesus revealed this truth for us by saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father. It's me. It's through me. That's truth. So man has no hope in himself. Do you see that? Man, woman, has no hope in ourselves. We need grace for God to be gracious to us. That's why Jesus came to confer, to bestow grace, undeserving mercy to each and every one of us. John calls it grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Abundant grace. Why? Why is, why is grace now seems, you know, ascending higher than truth here? Grace upon grace. You know, he mentions truth one time and then he repeats, he exalts grace. Why? He's not minimizing the truth. But he's exalting grace because of this reason. Without God's grace, no one will understand the truth. Without the, the grace of God, truth will not reveal it to us. And it, it is through the grace of God we were born again. It is through the grace of God that Jesus became our Redeemer, took human flesh, died for us on the cross. Through his, the power of the Holy Spirit, he gave us new life. Grace upon grace. We first need grace to become alive in Jesus Christ. And then I understand truth, God's word. What is grace upon grace, beloved? Jesus taking the punishment of our sins upon himself. Jesus raise, raising us from spiritual death and giving us new life. Jesus giving us the right, the honor to become the children of God. Jesus being our firstborn so that when we die, we'll raise up. Join him in heaven. Grace upon grace. Abundant grace. Do we really understand grace, beloved? I want to tell all of you this morning, this grace is not cheap grace. In America we say, wishy-washy. 
unprincipled, unreal, not firm grace. Cheap grace. It is not cheap grace. It is a costly grace. Because this grace, this grace, Christ himself will go to the cross. Will go to the cross. Grace went to the cross. Grace died on the cross. Listen, God cannot justly and simply wipe away our sin. He is a just God. Sin must be punished. The wages of sin must be paid. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. If he, if he comes to give sinners grace, he will not overlook our sin without its wage being paid, brothers and sisters in Christ. So his justice calls for judgment, for punishment. And what did God do for us? Well, Jesus clothed himself with flesh that he may die for our sins. He became flesh. So he goes to the cross and die. Then what? Grace abounds. The just justifies the unjust. Grace abounds. God is just, but he justified the unjust. And truth is upheld. The only one who can save is God. That's truth. Truth is upheld and grace is abound. Because grace is abound because you are not punished. And truth is upheld because Jesus was punished on your behalf. You see how truth and grace come together and serve you. And serve for your salvation. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced. You see, he had to become man. In order they pierce him. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Oh, Today you are at peace with God. You have been reconciled with God. But grace had to go to the cross and die for you. Reconcile you with the Father. I put a verse on the bulletin today for you to go home and reflect on this verse. And I'm going to close with it. And notice what Notice how this verse speaks to you about who your Savior is. For you are our Father. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our Father. Now listen to this. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. What is from of old is your name? 
the eternal word being God. The name of the eternal word is God himself. And who is this God? He is our Redeemer. The one who died on the cross for us. So beloved, rejoice. Rejoice in your God. Because God, because of his love and mercy, he became flesh in order to redeem you from your own sin. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, how we rejoice, how we are thankful to you, our God, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. The eternal Son of God, the eternal Word who became flesh, closed with humanity to take our place and die on the cross, to be punished, because of us. Lord, thank you. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, our Redeemer. And help us to, Lord, always recognize you and what you have done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ, who became human to dwell among us and save us and redeem us. In his name we pray. Amen.